Hello and welcome to the Diz Dads Podcast Midweek Destinations and Diversions Show. It's the Dad Show, your hump day Disney vacation fix for Wednesday, July 11th, 2018. The Dad Show is brought to you by Kingdom Strollers. Kingdom Strollers is Orlando's premium stroller and crib rental vendor. Why pay more for a less comfortable, less versatile stroller in the theme parks? Make your reservation at kingdomstrollers.com. You'll pay less for the rental, and they'll deliver the stroller of your choice to your resort, and pick it up from the resort at the end of your vacation for free. Kingdom Strollers, your first choice for Orlando's stroller rentals, and a Disney-featured stroller vendor. This week on The Dad Show, I don't think we're going to hear much about strollers. Uh, We have Nathan Trent back on the show with us. And uh, Nate, I I think that, you know, when your son is old enough to invite you to accompany him on a Walt Disney World trip, at that point, he's probably too old for a stroller. Yeah, that's true, but I could have used one. Uh, so this is a, a trip you really just got back from. Um, had you ever been to Walt Disney World over Fourth of July weekend before? Nope. Uh, I have been in July, but not that particular week. So okay, that was a- so so not over the sort of the holiday weekend. And um, this was a. a- Different kind of trip. I mean, each one of these trips we talk about on the show, you know, has its own unique flavor to it. But this one seemed to be a little different for you as well, um, because you were kind of joining with uh, your son's friends and staying um, in a timeshare resort offsite. Uh, had you have you stayed offsite at Walt Disney World recently? Uh, not, not since like 2009 have I stayed off site. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I thought it had been a while. So, yeah. um, and, and you really didn't have much time to prep for this one at all. Uh, what, maybe two weeks lead time? Yeah. It was about two weeks. Uh, son had some friends that, you know, offered him up a room at this timeshare at pretty good rate. And, you know, it was kind of hard to pass up. So he, he begged and pleaded and. You know, he had to twist my arm. <laughs> I'm sure. It's so difficult to convince you. Yeah. So, um, it, okay, so help us out here. You know, what? what is it? What do you do to prepare for a, a Walt Disney World vacation over a holiday weekend where you're staying off-site with two weeks prep time? I mean, that, that had to be <laughs> like, you know, the, on the list of things that you tell other people not to do. You had to have checked off every single box. That's right. That's right. Um, first thing was uh, transportation. I usually drive down, but uh, having some technical issues with my van at the moment. So the air conditioning doesn't work. And I didn't think I could survive in Orlando in July without air conditioning. No, that so, would not have been a pleasant, uh, so pleasant little commute. We, we, we booked the cheap flight from local airport to Sanford, which is, of course, Allegiant. So we said our prayers before we got on board, but, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we, we booked us a, an Allegiant flight as uh, for both of us. It was a pretty good deal. It was about uh, 300 bucks round trip for both of us. Yeah, well, that's so, not bad. I mean, you know, with only two-week lead time, um, that's pretty yeah. remarkable, really. Yeah, and um, – and then I got a used uh, undercover tours for my tickets and rental car. Okay. So, uh, and outside of that, the uh, fast passes were actually not that hard to get, except for the things like uh, the new Toy Story rides, which I did get a, a Alien Swirling Saucers, and uh, I did get a Flight of Passage fast pass. Those those were two. Hard ones to get, but I did get them prior okay. to leaving. Good, good. So, so uh, yeah, I mean, th- those were pretty hard ones. It sounds like uh, the only one. I'm, I'm sorry, did I catch that you you did manage to get a Slinky Dog at some point or not? No, uh, no. Okay, I did while while on site, but I didn't prior to the trip. Ah, oh, I see. Okay. I see. 
Yeah. All right. Well, you know, why don't you start by giving us just a little bit of a picture of this uh, timeshare resort you were staying at, kind of, you know, in in context, right? Uh, about how far were you from from Disney parks? What was that sort of part of the trip like in terms of of where you were staying and and you know what it took each day to to head to the parks? Okay. Uh, the lay of the land here is Disney World property is north of I four. <laughs> Where the timeshare was is just south of I-4 on uh, 192. Okay. Uh, it was on a road that used to belong to the Arabian Nights Theater. And, I, you know, I could – if my room was positioned right, I could probably see bits and pieces of the Tower of Terror and and White World Sports and all that over there. So oh, okay. So it really, it really wasn't close. that far away. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I could be on property after – getting out of the parking lot, you know, within five minutes. And was this part of a a timeshare resort or was it just a standalone, you know, home? It was a timeshare resort. It's called Vacation Village. It was run by RCI. Really wasn't familiar with them, but, uh, you know, it turned out to be nice. It was a a one-bedroom with a queen bed and a fold-out couch, a little kitchenette, and washer and dryer and all that stuff. That was, that was pretty nice. Okay. Uh, and you said, you know, you could see Walt Disney World, but it did sound like it was a little tricky because you had to cross I-4 and deal with 192 on a holiday weekend. So, um, yeah. you know, how long did it take you to get to Walt Disney World most days? Yeah. Like I said, that was typically less than five minutes. Oh, wow. It, okay. You know, uh, really wasn't, traffic wasn't an issue. Nice. Uh, from that location. I'm I'm pleasantly surprised. Yeah. <laughs> Me um, too. So quick commute to Walt Disney World each day. Um you had fast passes, even you know, most of the ones it sounds like you could get most of what you wanted. Um so how did you kind of have your time allocated? Was there a particular focus this trip? Or I mean it's just the two guys, so you know, you, you really it's it's nice you have uh, a lot of flexibility from that. Yeah. Uh you know, of course, we wanted to see the new Toy Story Land was part of it. And uh, being the 4th of July week, we wanted to catch the uh, the uh, holiday fireworks either on the 3rd or the 4th at the Magic Kingdom. And we were on the fence about Epcot. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Which, which we didn't end up doing. So. Uh-huh. All right, so so the the priority there was was Magic Kingdom on either the third or the fourth, and uh, guess the rest was going to kind of build around it. Now you mentioned that you you drove in, and um, before we started recording, you said, "Well, you know, the trip was you know the the first or the eighth, but we didn't actually get there till after midnight on the first, so it was already really the second. So um, talk to me a little bit uh, about what you do to kind of get this trip started. Um, you know, you had a, a late night arrival. Are you still raring to go for rope drop on day one? Uh, day one, my first fast pass was in Epcot around, uh, wasn't at rope drop, is maybe around 11 o'clock. So, you know, it doesn't matter when I go to bed. I always wake up early. <laughs> <laughs> Just something that started happening to me recently. I'm not a fan of it, but it happens. <laughs> And uh, we tackled Epcot. Uh, uh, what we did, though, is we knew we were finishing the day at Magic Kingdom, so I parked at Magic Kingdom and took the monorail over to Epcot. Ah, smart. So thinking ahead, went ahead and, and parked uh, the car at the destination uh, uh, park. That way you didn't have to worry about trying to find a, a place to park at the second park when it's a little harder and, you know, you end up parking farther away. Yeah. So we – you know, we did that. Uh, I used the uh, app. Well, there are a couple of Diz Dads down there. We used the app uh, GroupMe right. to stay in contact and uh, uh, found out that uh, John Thomas was going to be coming into Epcot shortly. As a matter of fact, he was on the monorail from the Polynesian. You know, he was at the Polynesian having breakfast that morning. So he was on the next monorail behind me. So I just kind of. <laughs> he was following uh, you. Yeah, uh, Jace didn't want to run around, so he went went on and did single rider on test track, 
and I, I waited around the entrance for John to make it through security. Okay. Because <laughs> his family left him with the backpack. <laughs> of course. Well, <laughs> hey, to be fair, John tends to travel with his with his you know big camera bag. So as long as you know, he's already going to have to stop with the camera bag. So. Yeah. So that was a first time meeting John. So uh, it was a pleasure meeting him, and I met his son. His son Hunt stuck around with him, and uh, I just walked. Walked with him over to the land. His first fast pass was at Zorin, so I just walked and chatted and grabbed me a little bite to eat at the, oh, goodness, sunshine season. That's what it's called. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I was getting text message from uh, from Jace to, uh, you know, just meet up with him again. And Sure. Well, so so let's let's kind of you know do our our kind of daily summary piece here, or our, our really park summary. Um, I mean, Epcot. You you I know that Epcot isn't necessarily your favorite park these days, um, and you'd already said earlier that you know as much as you wanted to see Illuminations with a, a Fourth of July tag, it ended up falling by the wayside. So, is this the only time you spent in in Epcot this particular trip, or uh, did you make it back later? The uh, we pretty much did all of Epcot with clever use of fast passes. You know, as far as attractions go, uh, we got everything in Future World done, and the things in World Showcase we got wanted to get done uh, on July the second. So, okay. Uh, so, uh, so what were the highlights of that time in Epcot? What What were the things that really <laughs> stood out for you? Aside now from you know <laughs> getting a chance to, to meet up with John and his son. Well, I think John was highlighted, uh, you know, the just the ability to uh, be able to obtain fast passes on the fly <laughs> after you use your first three. Um, little little tip: once you scan into that last attraction, you can. My son was always on his phone finding our next <laughs> our next fast pass. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah so, you can grab uh, that next one. Just as as soon as you've scanned in, basically, for number three, you can start grabbing number four. Yeah, he was grabbing number four. And uh, actually, you know, we pretty much uh, single rider test track, fast pass for everything else in Future World, and didn't really need any fast passes for anything in World Showcase. World Showcase. Uh, one thing that I did notice that was interesting is that the wait times were frozen is just like plummeted. Really? Interesting. <laughs> really. It's like frozen as thought out or something, or just people well, really don't enjoy that attraction. I mean, I, I wonder whether this is <laughs> the, the beginning of the impact of Toy Story Land, right? I mean, to a certain extent, there were kids who were, you know, families with younger kids maybe spending longer time in Epcot just because there wasn't enough for them to do, you know, over in, in Hollywood studios. And now that you've got a few things going in Hollywood studios, maybe that's starting to drain some of that pressure away from world showcase. That's, that's possible. I just, I just, it just seems to me like frozen may be thawing, but we'll, we'll find out once toy story is newness has uh, worn off. Right, right. Well, and, and we, of course, have uh, another Frozen movie here about a year away, so. Yeah. Uh, outside of that, Epcot was was Epcot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, I did notice the large structure out front where they're building for the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. It looks like they're making good progress. I'm not sure how they're going to camouflage the building itself because it's already uh, fairly visible from just about anywhere in Epcot. So it's just- yeah, well, you know, I, I mean, the the camouflage piece is probably going to be coming near the end because it seemed like they, they kind of are in a position on that one just because of where it is and how the construction is going, that they're not going to be able to do much in terms of, of shielding it until they can get the cranes out of the way. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's... I guess it's the same scenario as Soren. You can see Soren from World Showcase from many yep. places, yep. unless you're, but you don't really see it unless you're looking for it. Right, that's true. <laughs> that's true, and and a lot of it really is going to depend on finishes, right? I mean, there there are colors that just sort of disappear into the background. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so 
that was your most of your day in Epcot, and and then you had mentioned that you wanted to wrap your day up in in Magic Kingdom. Um, so you, you presumably monorail back across to Magic Kingdom. Did you have any particular priorities, things that that you knew you wanted to do? This is you know July second, so this is before major Fourth of July fireworks day. Um, what's what's the goal for Magic Kingdom on this afternoon? Uh, my. Son's goal was to get as many fast passes as possible. Okay. So, <laughs> and uh, we both wanted to see Happily Ever After because the next two nights will be taken up with the holiday fireworks. Right. So uh, those were our main priorities. Okay. Uh, and we succeeded on many things. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, we, we got... I think our first pass, fast pass was Big Thunder Mountain. Then we managed to grab a Space Mountain and a Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, of all things. <laughs> it's just, wow. Just be, being a small group, you know, of two, and where people cancel or miss their fast passes and those just pop up, it, it, it worked well for us. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, the, you know, during our whole trip, we spent most of our time in Magic Kingdom. I'm looking at my own notes here, and we spent one, two, three, four, five out of six park days in it at, at some point in the Magic Kingdom. Wow. Okay. So definite <laughs> so, Magic Kingdom uh, focus. What what things yeah. in the Magic Kingdom? And, and let's set fireworks aside for a minute because we'll talk in a little more detail about those um, in a minute. But what, what other things in the Magic Kingdom? stood out to you and really in any way right i mean good bad or just odd um things that that jumped out at you spending you know four days of the magic kingdom in a, a busy holiday time period the first thing <laughs> that stuck out to me is uh i love tomorrowland but they're doing their incredible summer thing there and they have changed my loop to some incredible steam music and I was not a happy camper. <laughs> As a connoisseur of, of park music, I can imagine how frustrating it is to you when they uh, break out those, you know, special event loops that uh, interfere with the, the music you're expecting to hear. Yeah. Uh, but uh, they were doing some type of refurbishment on the Space Mountain exit. Uh you know, the belt was, I guess, was being worked on. So you had to exit backstage and you get to walk past the little swampy area where they're clearing out for tr- the Tron coaster hmm. on, on like a uh, plywood platform. <laughs> okay. You're walking through there. So that, that that was interesting. <laughs> yeah, you, you have to think that was probably not planned maintenance because, I mean, I can't imagine they would, you know, they would choose to, to route people across the plywood platform at Space Mountain on one of the busiest weekends of the summer. Uh, and, and you had to cross the railroad tracks that way. So there, there were, I never got caught by it, but I had just missed it where they had to block the platform off, keep people from crossing while oh, the, right. the railroad went through. Yep. So, uh, so they, they always had several people stationed there to keep, you know, to keep it safe. So it, it was, it was interesting to leave space mountain that way. Yeah. But sort of the, the, I don't know, uh, corollary to, you know, space mountain with the lights on, right? Yeah. Not quite the same outside but um all right uh and so so that obviously stood out was a little odd um and can you see anything i mean is it is it are they making progress on tron already or is it or is it just kind of you know uh, space being cleared it's space being cleared and draining swamp water and stuff like that so okay it's it, it, it nothing that you can see any major progress being made on that yet. Yeah. Kind of figured it would be a while. Um, all right. So, uh, anything else uh, about magic kingdom other, other than Tomorrowland that, that jumped out at you? Mm-hmm. It's just change a couple of menu items like Pecos bills and <sighs> it's very crowded. <laughs> okay. It was very crowded. Uh, a lot of uh, the 
the South American tour groups were in full force all, all right. over the place. Yeah, yeah I believe Jeff Swain mentioned that uh, Quinceañera season is back. Yes, it's there. Full force. <laughs> all parts. But, uh, it, it, you know, they manage it well. I mean, it doesn't really impact you unless they, you know, one of the large groups walks in line right, right before you get to a ride. So, outside of that, the you know, the attractions seem to handle those groups pretty well. Yeah, they do. They do. Um, all right. Uh, any any food of note in Magic Kingdom? You'd mentioned some menu changes at Pecos Bills, but I don't know if they were particularly they, notable. Yeah, they, they used to have guacamole on their their kind uh, of their their topping stand, and now it's a, it's a paid item for a little small serving of guacamole. And they took one of the hamburgers away that I liked. But aside from that, I mean, Pecos Bills is probably still one of the better options in Magic Kingdom to eat at. So, yeah. as far as quick service, a little odd that they and, did that with the guac. You know, during avocado season, would think that that would be something yeah. they could, you know, take advantage of uh, seasonality on. But I don't know. It may have been a summer thing. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, maybe. so so. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just saying that maybe they were wasting too much of it or something, you know, because guacamole doesn't tend to keep too well, so that could be a possibility. That's true. That's true. Um, all right, so so that seems to be most of what was going on at, at Magic Kingdom. Um, I, I know that you worked in some some time to get over to Hollywood Studios and check out Toy Story Land. So um, I'm curious to hear how your time at, at Hollywood Studios went on this trip. Um, you know, I, I know that for several years now it's been um, not high on on your list. It's been, as I believe you've referred to it, as a half day park. Yes. Um, so and it still was. <laughs> okay, it still was even with Toy Story Land. Yeah. Uh, uh, Basically, I uh, Hollywood Studios. We started late on the uh, July the fourth, and we did a Star Tours and waited till time for Aliens, Swirling Saucers, Fast Pass to tackle Story Story Land. So, uh, but uh, I did this on purpose because I figured everybody else would be looking at the fireworks at Epcot Magic Kingdom. Okay, and it worked out. <laughs> okay, fair enough. It worked. It worked out. Yeah. So, um, so you you, uh, you enjoyed swirling saucers. What did you think of it? Yeah, you know, it's by no means an e e ticket, but you know, it's a solid ride. It's fun. It's a little bit short right now. I, I think they've got the runtime tweaked down a little short, so they can maximize the number of people they put through it. But sure, I mean, it is fun. It's a fun ride. Uh, it's it's really funny if you listen to aliens they got a little you know they're they're talking to you as you get on and off the ride so you know stuff like we are eternally grateful and stuff like that <laughs> it's pretty funny okay um so Toy what was your overall um, before we get into to too much more detail um you know what, what did you think overall of Toy Story Land I mean uh, what what about the environment because that was really the big marketing push was that this was going to be this immersive land where you really felt sort of transported into this world of you know Andy's backyard and a toy in the backyard you know the, the Imagineers did a good job of putting lots of little details in you know from Andy's footprint in the the quote dirt that's the sidewalk there that you're walking on and you know everything's made out of toys and you know old school toys stuff like you and i probably grew up with you, sure. know? <laughs> you know tinker toys and stuff like that little legos and building blocks uh it, it's it, it's a beautiful land to look at you know i, I mean it, it's very eye-catching everywhere uh and, you know, I think they did a good job as far as, you know, uh, the, the making 
you shrink down to the size of a, I think you're supposed to be the size of a green army man, you know. I mean right, right. everything was pretty scaled pretty well, you know. Uh it's kind of funny the the and he even thought to make bathrooms down there and he I think the ladies' bathroom has made out of a cootie box. Because <laughs> girls have cooties. You know? Okay. <laughs> I I had not noticed uh, that one initially. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, you could, uh, there, there's several points there down toward the uh, back end, I guess, where the entrance to the Star Wars land, where you can kind of see over the construction fence, and they're making pretty good progress on Star Wars land there, too. Good, good. I had a nice, I posted a photo of that in our Facebook group. Um, uh, Toy Story Land, I, I, I had a lot of fun in it, to be honest with you. I, I was very pleased with it. Good, good. It it exceeded expectations. All right. Now, talk a little bit. You, you talked about you know spinning saucer or, or swirling saucers, and it sounds like maybe that was a good example of something that, although the ride was a little short, it, it, you enjoyed it more than you expected to. Um, did, did you manage to get on the Slinky Dog Coaster at some point? Yeah, I got the uh, I got to ride it uh, twice that night because my, my evil plan of everybody else being at fireworks and there was also a uh, kind of a rain out there for just about maybe an hour. So we sat, sat under an umbrella in, in a Woody's lunchbox while the rain basically cleared that end of the park out and we were just <laughs> hoping that they would get the roller coaster opened and and it did, and we got in line, and it was maybe 20 minutes for our first time, and we immediately turned around and got back in, and it was even a shorter wait this time because the park was, like, fixing the clothes. So, you know, it was it was, it was was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, sounds like and it. The coaster is, is, is really, really fun. Uh, you know, it's not, like, the most thrilling coaster in the world, but it is fun, and there's – Slinky Dog talks to you throughout the ride. <laughs> a lot of cute little elements to it. And the queue, uh, you won't get bored even if you're standing in that queue forever because there's so much stuff to look at. You know, uh, Andy has basically taken all these little toy kits and, to make the Slinky Dog coaster for you. And he's used all the blocks, I mean, the, all the boxes and stuff is basically the queue line. So <laughs> Nice. Nice. Yeah. Uh, there's old toys in there. I think like right over where you, where they load is a, a giant toss across set kind of laying face down toward you. Okay. That's pretty neat. Found a couple of hidden Mickeys in there. <laughs> is, is it, the Imagineers had fun doing that. I no doubt. <laughs> Sounds like it. Sounds like it. Yeah. Um, and you know, the, the, what about the, the coaster itself? I mean, a lot of the early reports from people were saying, oh, it looks really slow. It looks like there's not much to it. It's a kiddie coaster. What, what was your take? I thought it was, um, that first drop is pretty exciting. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it's a, it's a kind of a quick launch coaster, not quite like as intense as rock and roller coaster. But, uh, you know, another thing I've heard people say is it's really short, but it's actually longer than rock and roller coaster. It's about two minutes and rock and roller coaster is just under two minutes. Okay. So, okay. <laughs> so it's a little bit longer ride. Right. But that may be part of the fact that it has a second launch in it. There's a, there's a point where the coaster stops and you get, I don't know if you remember how the Hot Wheels car sets, you, but you'd pull them back on like a little spring and shoot them back up a hill. Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, there were a few different mechanisms, kind of, but yeah, it's it's kind of that. It's kind of like that effect. Okay. So you pull back and then shoot you up another little hill. It, it, it's fun. It's real fun, and there. Um, and at the end, Wheezy's there singing to you. That's that's pretty cool too. Nice. Wheezy the the squeaky penguin. Right, right. Yeah, the one the one who has to kind of get rescued from the back of the shelf for the box. Yep. So um nice things to say then about 
both of the attractions, did you check out the new entrance to uh, uh, Toy Story Mania? Yeah, we did. Uh, we did Toy Story Mania while we were waiting on the uh, rain to pass by, and uh, you know, it's Toy Story Midway Mania is just a different entrance and exit. I thought the exit was a little lackluster because they take you along. A, it kind of reminded me of the new Space Mountain exit. You know, <laughs> there's not much to it. <laughs> Except you weren't working on plywood. Okay. But the the entrance queue is just a different door you're going in and pretty much the same queue. Maybe just a little bit longer of a walk now because uh, uh, it's just a different entrance. Right, right. You're, they're, they're winding you around from a new side. And so, yeah, they, they still have to get you to the same place. Yep. Um, and... Uh, I don't. Are you at all familiar where they put the entrance to Toy Story Land? Uh, sort it's kind of, of it. between. It's kind of between the, where Pixar Place and the old Toy Story Midway Mania entrance is, and the Walt Disney Presents building. They've just kind of right. opened that up. Yeah, kind of in between there, in in that space. There used to be. I don't know if there still is. There used to be a, a bathroom there on one side. I think you would have walked yep. past it on your way into Toy Story Land. That's correct. The bathroom's still there. Okay. So, um, I guess, you know, it's kind of hard to find Toy Story Land. If you, I've always found Hollywood Studios hard to navigate anyway, but, you know, it's tucked around in, the cor- in that back corner back there, and you have to go around the Chinese theater to get to it. So right. there's, there's no other access to it until Star Wars Land opens up and, right, I, and I, I can't imagine too many people are going to you know start off in in star wars land or go through star wars land just to get to toy story land yeah you know they might so, have yeah. their next in their plan but i can't imagine you'd use that as your primary route so aside from that it, it being hard to find you know i i, I think toy story land was pretty uh, a, a welcome addition to Hollywood Studios. All right. But you said it still wouldn't make it a, a full day park for you, huh? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's still just not a – I mean, if I went there and had to wait in the long lines all day, then it might make it a full day. But uh, I played my cards well this time. so Okay. I think we got there about 4 o'clock and got to do Star Tours, Slinky Dog twice, Alien Swarming Saucers twice, and – Toy Story Midway Mania. That's about a half day. So. <laughs> okay. Now, um, you, you mentioned being there on 4th of July, trying to avoid the fireworks crowds at Magic Kingdom and at um, Epcot. Uh, did they did they do the, you know, traditionally they've done a special uh, 4th of July show at Hollywood Studios, even when they weren't doing a regular fireworks show there. Um, did, did they have 4th of July fireworks at Hollywood Studios? Uh they had the Star Wars fireworks, which I didn't get to catch because I was in line for Slinky Dog. Right. But okay, but they I just stuck with their their regular. They didn't bring back the Symphony in the Sky type uh, fireworks that they used to do for Fourth of July. No, I did catch a little bit of Epcot's uh, rain delayed Fourth of July fireworks, but uh, <laughs> okay, it, it it looked like yep, I mean, uh, Studios just did their standard Star Wars fireworks. Okay. Okay. Um, all right. So, uh, did you did you do any uh, eat anything interesting in in Hollywood Studios while you were there? I, I, I tried out Woody's lunchbox, and uh, you know, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> yeah, the, the fact that they have no indoor seating is just like terrible. Because I mean, in the Florida heat and I mean, there's just a little bit of shade offered by an umbrella here and there, some of the structures around it, but it's just, I don't think I would go out of my way to go there again. 
Now, now that <laughs> one really didn't make any sense to me. And I, I've been saying that since we did our preview of, of Toy Story Land, um, you know, a couple of months ago. It just, it seems a silly oversight. I mean, I understand that thematically they were trying to do certain things, but I mean, they could have found an excuse to, to create, I mean, you, you could have, you know, walked into a, a you know, cereal box or something if they needed to make it thematically appropriate. But I just don't see how you create a land where you want and expect people to linger without a covered area for them to eat. Yeah. And and the area they had to eat was just, I don't know, uh, maybe 30 tables that seat four, four people, four to five people. Uh, This is just, 30 may be a stretch. It could have been 20. <laughs> there just Yikes. wasn't much seating. Yeah, I mean, seating I mean, for you, 80 to 100 people in an entire land. Yeah, it, it just, it, yeah, I was walking around trying to find a place. I ended up eating part of my lunch on a top of a trash can like I was at the, <laughs> the Flower and Garden Festival. Festival. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so. All right. Um, and and uh, thoughts on the, the menu there at all? Yeah, I I just tried the Monte Cristo. Um, you know, turkey ham and and a raspberry jam. It, it it was okay. It was nothing spectacular. I think I had a better sandwich at Gaston's later on that week. So <laughs> okay, <laughs> it was a. I like I said, I don't think I would go out of my way to go back. Yeah. I mean, I guess they get some credit for trying to put something a little different on the menu, and I'll give them that. It's not another burger stand, but again, it just feels a little bit like missed opportunity. Yeah. I don't don't know if it was because my sandwich got cold because I was waiting around trying to find a seat. It it, it just didn't didn't wow me like I I was hoping it would. I I thought, that looks good. Let's try that. It's just a just a sandwich. <laughs> right, right. Well, yeah, and, and I guess it would be negative on it, but well, no, I mean, I get it. I mean, the, it seems to me that the the issue is that it's like this whole this whole land of Toy Story Land is sort of nostalgia land, and then when it came to the the menu, they sort of skipped every opportunity to do something nostalgic with the menu, and went with yeah. things that I mean. I understand the Monte Cristo is something a little different and, and unique for the land, but do any of us have really have nostalgic memories of Monte Cristos from our youth? No. <laughs> Nor adult beverages, but <laughs> right, right. I, I also thought that was weird that they added the adult beverages to the Woody's lunchbox since it was well, Andy's menu. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I get it. You know, look, it's part of the dining plan now. You want to give people the option, but you know, at least it, at least it was was somewhat thematically in line by making it you know an adult lemonade kind of thing. But yeah. Uh, um. All right. Well, so that's that's pretty much the overview then of of Hollywood Studios. Um. What about Disney's Animal Kingdom? Um. You know this this park seems to be getting more and more love from you these days, Nate. Yeah, I like Animal Kingdom. Uh, got to visit it two times maybe this trip. Uh, spent most of 4th of July there, the first part of 4th of July. Uh, we had our Navi River journey. <laughs> Fast okay. past that morning and, and a safari and a couple other things we got on the fly. But, uh, you know, we, we spent a significant amount of time done did a couple of things that we hadn't done the last couple of trips. Uh, we took the train ride over, hoping to catch John, but I guess it was in the middle of the week, and he only works on the weekend, so oh, right, right. didn't meet John Peters this time. I was hoping to, but didn't work out. Right. And uh, uh, my son, my, Jace, has usually never been a fan of Expedition Everest, and he kind of fell in love with that ride this trip for some reason he would uh we had a fast pass each time we visited for it and then he was we would do single rider you know he would want to do it multiple times so two's my limit 
I start getting a little swimmy headed right. after that, but it, it, it keep on going and I just go find something else to do while he did that. What's what's my son often, he, he said before that, uh, you know, he could, he could ride expedition Everest once or he could ride it three times, but he didn't think he could do it two times cause he'd get sick. <laughs> it's true. So I, I told him I couldn't figure out I, how he could only do the first and third. <laughs> uh, all right, so you got a lot of the sort of you know traditional parts of of Animal Kingdom, right? The Expedition Everest and the uh, the safari and and all of that. Um, and you did ride River Journey. Did you at any point brave the line for uh, 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 what am I? Why, why am I drawing a blank? Like, I keep wanting to say flight of the navigator, and that didn't write. <laughs> <laughs> flight of passage. There we go. I flight of never, passage. I never braved the line, but we did manage to snag a fast pass. I think uh, I got that one just like a day or two before we left. It was uh, late at night on the on the fifth. Was whenever I was able to get it. So that's where we finished the day on the fifth. Uh, was the Animal Kingdom and. Uh, I guess the that's the first time I've only ridden that ride once. It was a little disappointing that I didn't get to ride it more than once. Boo! <laughs> well, at least at least you managed uh, to get on one time, and I think it's it's a bit hopeful that you know if you keep checking back and you're willing to wait, uh, you you did manage eventually to get a fast pass. Even. Yep. Uh, I, I guess my highlight of Animal Kingdom is. I've been several times, but I never had tried the Satuli Canteen, and uh, I really like that place. You know, <laughs> for the the get one of their bowls, uh, and the portion size they give you is actually is a pretty good value for uh, you know Disney counter service food. Yeah, I agree, and I, I love. I think they do probably a better job than any other restaurant at Walt Disney World on handling those order ahead orders too. Yeah, but I, I I did not try that there. I tried that at Pecos Bills, but uh, I didn't see a lot of people doing that this time for some reason. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I don't know that it's catching on, but I love it. And I think some of the older places like Pecos Bill, I, I'm not sure are doing it as well yet. I think it's just a, a procedures thing and they don't have necessarily the sort of, you know, the right procedure figured out just yet to work through their space. Um, but I, I feel like, you know, Satuli Canteen was kind of built with that in mind. Um, and it just works there. Yeah. Yeah. The, the one time I tried it at Pecos Bills, it was just, just because I walked in and saw the line and said, Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> and I pulled up the phone and had my food ordered and walked right up and got it. So that worked out well there. Yeah. All right. Um, and anything else notable about uh, Animal Kingdom? Did you check out uh, Rivers of Light or uh, anything else that maybe you hadn't seen in a while? Uh, uh, Rivers of Light burnt me a few trips ago because the, they never did get the show running and they made us sit in the stadium for an hour. So <laughs> I haven't been brave enough to go back. Okay. But, uh, you know, I mean, with, we we rode Expedition Everest mostly in the safari several times and dinosaur a couple of times. And we survived every time. Man. <laughs> <laughs> John will be happy to hear that. <laughs> and uh, aside from that, no, was, I mean, Animal Kingdom's a, a good place to spend a good portion of a trip. Sure. It's, it, it's, Probably my second favorite park at the moment. Yeah, so. it seems to me that it's become probably my f well, it and Epcot for me are are really just really good hanging out parks. Like even if you're not jumping on rides, it's a good place to hang out. Yeah, I mean, if nothing else. You can walk the the uh, two animal trails and find something interesting every time. Yep. Yep. Uh, um. So. 
we, we talked about all the parks and you weren't staying in a resort. Were there any um, outside of the parks things that you did while you were at Walt Disney World here? Um, any, you know, ex- exploration in a resort, even though you weren't staying there or time spent in Disney Springs? Uh, we went to Disney Springs a total of two times. Uh, and uh, me and John and Joe Masters and Michael helped me with his last name. Tig, 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 Tig. 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 T-I-G-H-E. Tig. Tig. Yeah, uh, we uh, we all did the void. Oh, okay. So the, I'm excited to hear about this. So you had an all Diz Dads uh, trip to the void, which is the Star Wars VR experience. Um, try and explain to us what this is. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> It is a virtual reality experience that uh, is Star Wars themed, of course. And uh, basically, you are grouped into teams of four. So um, my group consists of me, John Thomas, and his son. And uh, the other group was Joe, Michael, and Michael's wife, whose name escapes me at the moment. But uh, Gretchen, yes. So we we went in two separate groups, but uh, basically you have a little uh, pre-show. Don't want to give away too much. That the air is with around the time of Rogue One. Okay, okay. So so Death Star still exists, and you're at the height of the Empire and sort of trying to to overcome, right? Correct, and. you know this because uh, one of your guides in there is uh, is it KS two O, the droid, the big tall black droid from Rogue okay. One. Right. Yeah, that He's, sounds right. He, he is a, a virtual character, and uh, basically, you are <laughs> Rebel Special Forces sent on a task to receive uh, to uh, uh, retrieve a special object from a uh, Imperial base. Okay. So you've got a mission you're trying to fulfill and uh, it's all done in teams in VR. Um, I I guess that I've tried to describe it. It seems to me that it's, it's almost like a virtual reality version of a, a breakout room kind of thing. Right. Except that instead of breaking out, it's a task that you've got to complete. That's correct. That's a good assessment of it. There's, I mean, and, and to back up the uh, virtual reality, there are, you know, tactile elements to the game that, you know, like you have to move this lever and. Oh, you know, okay. I, I, I so, so there's an few, element that almost. Shifted my visor to see what was actually what, what we're in, but. <laughs> okay. You know, and there's there's a place, there's a little R2 unit, and you can actually reach down and touch the R2 unit. They have a physical feature there that you can actually touch. Uh, pretty sure there was a point where you could actually touch KS2O. Nice. How's that? So, so uh, that's, that's interesting that they've actually, you know, even in a situation where it's, it's basically totally VR, um, you know, there's, they've taken the time to include some, some, um, you know, actual effects as well um, yeah. that you can only touch because you, you can't see them through your VR visors, can you? It's not augmented reality, is it? No. Uh, you, you know, the, the virtual characters just happen to have a physical ailment to back them up. Uh, you know, there are other things like there's there's times when the uh, you can feel the wind blowing or uh, heat from a source of heat. Right, right. Okay. <laughs> And, uh, of course, uh, when you get into battle, of course, there's little the uh, thing that houses the battery pack and stuff has little vibration points on, like, a, a vest that you're wearing. Okay. So it's not just so, virtual reality. It's almost, you know, virtual reality plus 4D elements that we're, we're used to them using in some other contexts. Yep. Very nice. So, uh so overall, what would you say? Is this a, something that's worth building a plan around, or is this something that it's worth doing if you have an extra day? What what would you what would you say? 
I would say it's worth doing. Uh, the price point's about 30 bucks, and it can last roughly 30 minutes. It just depends on how good you complete certain tasks and how good of a shot you are. Okay. Apparently, we were too good of a shot and too smart for something. <laughs> <laughs> so you uh, got through the, some things a little hey, too fast. Got, I think Team John, Nate, and Son were, I think we were maybe a total of 15 to 20 minutes. Okay. So, <laughs> so that's so one, of those, one of those situations where, you know, you, you almost have to be careful not to be too good. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know. John's son is a gamer, so he he was picking stormtroopers off pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you, you can truly tell how hard of the time. You, as rebels, you are disguised as stormtroopers in this, and you you can kind of tell why these stormtroopers are such bad shots because you can't aim. <laughs> right. Right. Really well, I was, I was, somebody else was talking about it on the show, and I was saying something about how you know you, you know it's real because the stormtroopers never hit you. <laughs> and it, it seemed to me like the uh, when you'd take a shot, that one of your bolts would veer off to the left, and one would veer off to the right, and then you'd have one right down the middle. So, like every third shot was accurate. Okay. <laughs> so, the, so the gamer did well because he just spammed it, right? He just hit it as hard as he could, as often as he could. Yep. <laughs> All right. It, it, it's an enjoyable experience. I, I highly recommend it. Just take your time. <laughs> sure. And, you know, it sounds to me like it's something that would be a fun experience and a good thing to do in a group, but not necessarily something that you know, you'd necessarily, you know, feel like you needed to build into every trip kind of thing. No. All right. And, and it, it, I'm, I'm very puzzled about their use of space. <laughs> okay. The void is located. And once upon a toy, the section from like, uh, where the stuffed animals to the room that had the train going around the top of it. Mm -hmm. That's pretty much where the void is now. <laughs> Once upon a toy is just the front part of the store, right? That that uh, used to have just like board games and Mister Potato Head in it, right? Interesting. So, and the back part of Once Upon a Toy is now the Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique. So, it's just that little section of space that they're using for the void, and they had to be running at least four different scenarios at times to get, you know, the amount of people that were there through there. Huh. So I, I would really like to see a floor plan of that. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. I mean, there, there must've been a lot of, of sort of storage backstage or something that, that you would, you know, didn't see from the once upon a toy side. Yeah. I mean, I guess there's points in in the game itself where you're walking back and forth through the same place, but virtually it's different. You oh, know, sure, right? So I can see that they can kind of use, you know, make double use of space. That makes sense. Yeah. So I would say that might little of that might be going on, but it, it, it just kind of amazed me when I looked after I bought my ticket and looked up. Okay, where am I going? <laughs> <laughs> How in the world? Right. <laughs> So, um, any any other Disney Springs stuff that you did that you wanted to talk Just, about? Uh, they are doing a major refurbishment on the World of Disney. Yeah. And they've got 50% of it done. And it basically looks like a an old warehouse now on the inside. But, you know, basically all the... Disney theming inside has kind of disappeared. You know how they used to have little rooms yeah. themed different things. And that's just kind of open, which, you know, I missed the theming, but it, it didn't feel quite as claustrophobic as it usually did. Right. When it was really crowded. So. Yeah. I, I actually, um, I was, I was just talking to somebody about this recently and um, somebody actually you know, asked one of the cast members at World of Disney about it. Um, and the the comment that they got back was that a lot of that sort of um, 
decor and finish stuff isn't out yet. Like that's still coming and they're kind of waiting to get everything finished and then they'll add those elements back in. So there's some hope that, you know, some of that will get reintroduced when they finally finish the rest of the refurbishment. But for now, I mean, I know exactly what you're saying. It, it does look more like just kind of a typical, almost like a typical big box store. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the only plus to that is, you know, it felt open, you know, you didn't feel like you were being, <laughs> you know, enclosed in a tight little space with a hundred other people. So I did like that feeling, you know, with more openness. Right, I just missed right. the theming. Yeah. Aside from that, uh, nothing particular in downtown Disney. Uh, downtown Disney. Disney Springs. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Uh, I got my Earl sandwich as a happy boy. Um, and we just spent, you know, maybe about a half a day there to on that day I did the voyage. And then sure. just a couple of hours on our day we were traveling home just to make sure the wife didn't want any more things that I can send her pictures for. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, well, so I think we've kind of reached our conclusions here. So, so we like to do our typical end of show wrap up questions. Um, the first one I'll ask is, is the one that I think is, is, you know, the one that I'm most curious about for this trip. And that is that, you know, somebody else who finds themselves in a somewhat similar situation where somebody comes to them on fairly short notice and says, Hey, why don't you come on down and join us? Um, you know, what, what kind of advice would you give them to help them maximize the experience when every ounce of their being says, you know, this is five and a half, five and a half months at least after I should have been planning this trip. Why am I even spending my money? <laughs> uh, you know, as I, as I said, the ability to get a fast pass really wasn't that much of an issue i guess maybe just because it was two of us but uh you know you can plan for some things and uh just manage manage your expectations you know you got a short term you know short time planning so plan what you can and then let whatever else fall in your lap you know if it's if it happens it happens if not you're at disney world not at home <laughs> <laughs> that's always true uh and then our second question is always uh you know you've taken plenty of trips to walt disney world you've taken trips with your son solo before so that part's not new but there's always it seems to me with every trip some moment some instant that you know it becomes the indelible marker for that trip what what's that moment in your head what's that thing that you know anytime you think of it it's going to say Fourth of July at Walt Disney World, twenty eighteen. <laughs> uh, I guess my first ride on Slinky Dog. It, it was it was a lot funner than I expected, and uh, I think a lot of people will enjoy it. Uh, I, there, there was almost a point I thought it might be a little bit too intense for small children. You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that first drop's pretty pretty steep. And, uh, but it's, it, it's a really fun ride and the, the land itself is, is pretty good. Uh, Toy Story Land, I guess would be my thing to uh, remember on this trip. All right. Well, that sounds great. Sounds like you had a, a really fun trip and a great little surprise for yourself with just a couple of weeks to, to plan. So, you know, Thanks again, Nate, for uh, coming on and sharing your experiences with us, and especially for helping me out and getting this recording done on very short notice. I guess it seems apropos that uh, we recorded, you know, sort of proportionately short notice for the for the podcast after, yep. uh, you know, the, the notice for the trip. Yep. I uh, appreciate the invite, and I was glad to do it. One little spark of inspiration is at the heart of all creation.
right at the start of everything that's new. One little spark lights up for you. Oh, hello there. So glad you could come along. I am the Dream Finder. Musical notes. What delightful melodies those will make. I love these flights of fancy. Searching the countryside for sounds, colors, ideas. Anything that sparks the imagination. A sunbeam, that's a good one. Everything that I can collect can inspire amazing and marvelous new ideas. And you never know what kind of figment you may come up with. <laughs> Here's my favorite. Two tiny wings, eyes big and yellow. Horns of a steer, but a lovable fella. From head to tail, he's royal purple pigment, and there voila, you've got a figment, a figment of imagination.